We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome on in, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. The next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Lots to get to. A couple of great guests coming up on today's program. We have the IBF super middleweight champion of the world, Caleb Sweethands Plant. We will get to him in just uh, a matter of minutes. Uh, we will also speak to the head of matchroom boxing, Eddie Hearn, as he is bringing Canelo Alvarez down to Miami. And so we will talk all things boxing with him, how he got Canelo down to Miami, why he chose Miami. And uh, and also, you know, we'll talk a little AJ Tyson Fury with him. We'll talk a little lightweight division with him. So Looking forward to that. You guys will enjoy that interview for sure. We'll get into a little bit of UFC later on today's program with last night's card and a brief look ahead to UFC 258, although we did talk a lot about it last week. So if you guys want the full breakdown of what I think with Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, where I'm lying with that one, I'll bring it up again, but I get, I'm get i definitely going to get more in depth with it last episode. Um. So you got that to look forward to. This is what we got for today's. Want to start off with uh, Paige Van Zant. She made her bare knuckle debut. As you had Knuckle Mania, that was the uh, the big uh, spectacle that was the kickoff to Super Bowl week. David Feldman and his promotion uh, bringing in the former UFC star to their promotion. She was getting into the bare knuckle realm and was training out of American Top Team. She moved down to South Florida with her husband, who fights in Bellator, and so. You know, there was going to be a lot of pressure on her, a lot of eyes on her. She was taking on Britton Hart. I was actually at the fight where Britton Hart won her fight to call out Paige Van Zant, And, you know, lo and behold, we got to this uh, to this matchup from last night. And Paige ended up losing. She lost a, a unanimous decision, 49-46. I had a 48-47 for Paige. I thought that she did enough in the first round, um, even, uh, even with, you know, Britain being the aggressor, I just thought Paige landed the better shots. I think the numbers bore that out as well. But you know, bare knuckle is a funny thing, and I don't—I wouldn't call myself a bare knuckle expert by any means, but I have watched a, a lot of cards. I've been in person to five shows, and I've watched a lot of BKFC events. So I would say, in the you know combat sports community, I probably have a better grip on it than a lot of uh, people do. And I will say, like I've watched a lot of UFC fighters walk into this thing, and it's uh, it's it's hard for them. It's it, it's not an easy it's not an easy sport to transition to from MMA. I think that there is a there's a hesitancy, there's a difference in space. I don't think they're quite used to not um, being able to use all their weapons. I don't think they're quite used to not being able to to not have to look for those weapons. And I think you don't really know till you know uh, when you're in there. But I've seen this happen with, you know, Hector Lombard comes to mind, um, Tiago Alves, you know, some of the former UFC guys that get in there, it's just not quite as crisp that first time around. And you do see a little bit of a light bulb go on as the rounds go by, as it gets a little bit, um, as as it gets a little bit uh, more in their head of what the range is. And I will also say about that sport, it really is a sport that rewards aggression. I mean, it really greatly does. Um, 
you know, if you just, first of all, uh, just the shape of, of the, the squared circle, as they call it, um, the, the amount of punches, I think just getting, uh, catching somebody with something because it doesn't feel like you're rewarded for making people miss very much that, uh, and then you have that, that clench, which can also be tough. And the person who looks like the throwing punches is going to win rounds. And I know that they made a point that Paige was very confident coming into this, that she was going to be able to dominate the clench. And you think that in those situations, somebody who's coming out of the realm of mixed martial arts, taking on a former boxer that they would, but it's a little bit weird. You're not throwing knees. You're not stopping. You don't, you're not pushing up against a cage. You're kind of just right there holding, uh, holding You're almost looking like Paige was looking for something to hold on to. So she was holding on to Britain's head, but had nothing left to hit with because typically, you know, that in that work, you could throw knees. I think there was actually a slow motion. Somebody actually caught Paige, maybe throwing or sneaking a knee in at one point to Britain Hart. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised that Paige wasn't able to win a decision. I didn't think that she was going to go into this uh, with the ability to knock Britain Hart out. Although I will say it was teetering that way in the late rounds. And, you know, you do, you do have to remember uh, her age. I think that she could actually be pretty good at this. Um, you know, she's 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 a young fighter. Uh, it was her first time dipping her toes in the water. I think you saw the light bulb start to kind of crank as the fight was going on. But I I looked at this. I didn't look at this like, oh, Paige is... I did think, you know, I did pick her to win. I thought that, oh, yeah, she's got more experience. She's been on the brighter lights. has taken on better fighters. Um, you know, but you do... When you tune in and you watch that BKFC, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a different fight. This is a different, this is a different atmosphere. Um, you know, uh, I think about our guy, Yuli Diaz, who is... Um, you know, having a lot of success in BKFC, and you know he's kind of just gone for gone for broke early on in these fights. He doesn't like where you see him fight in mixed martial arts. Or you see him fight in in uh in boxing. It's just kind of like you, you throw hands, and if you can catch a chin in the right spot, you are you're kind of there. Like the the whole sweet like BKFC. I wouldn't exactly call it a sweet science yet. It's really people are figuring it out it's starting to get better i mean the the the, the co-main event uh where dat and Wen ended up winning the belt really really good fight and you know i think that he won on aggression through a lot of fancy combos really dazzled the judges and i think that um you know for the most part that is going to get you the win because you know don't forget the judges are learning this stuff new too there's only a few states that even legalize this and sanction this so from uh for my money um, you know, I thought, uh, good for Britain Hart. She, uh, she showed tremendous aggression. Obviously, you know, most of the shine is going to be on page in this segment because that's what the storylines are. But as far as Britain's concerned, you know, I thought it was a good call out for her Beck Rowling. Call it was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. I was uh, very, she said, I'm not a person. I'm a feeling. I don't know what the hell that means. Uh, some young lady who I'm not familiar with, uh, jumped into that ring to call her out. She was mad stealing her shine. So, you know, I, if I were Paige Van Zant, I don't know what she's getting paid per one of these fights. I know she said something like 10 times her UFC make, but I would get back in there again this year. I, would, I wouldn't I would do these one of the things where I'm I'm, uh, I'm holding out and I'm, I'm, you know, maybe doing this twice a year. Like, if you're going to get good at this, I think she should probably do it again in the next, you know, five, six months. Because, um, you know, I, I do think it felt like a light bulb went on for her late in that fight. It was just too little too late. And she... You know, even the rounds are short. You know, I, I would think if that if, if we were talking a UFC fight in round five and the way she was starting to put it on uh, Britain Hart, I, I do think that she probably could have found a way to put her away. There's just 
it's a very, very fast paced sport and you don't have time to, you know, you have like maybe one round to kind of infiltrate tank money to the bank, kind of figure out what your opponent is. And then you got to go because it's, you know, it's going to be very quick before you can't win a fight by decision. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on, on, on Paige Van Zandt and her performance from yesterday. And, uh, we'll look forward to the next one for sure. All right, well, let's get to uh, our first guest. Our first guest on today's program is the IBF Super Middleweight Champion of the World. He is Caleb Sweethands Plant. He is just coming off a win over Caleb Truax and is looking to fight Canelo Alvarez. So we will talk to the IBF Super Middleweight Champion of the World, Caleb Plant. Here is our conversation. Very excited to talk to our next guest. This guy is the IBF Super Middleweight Champion of the World. Just put on a hell of a performance against Caleb Truax this past week. He's Sweethands Caleb Plant. Jam, thank you for the time this week, man. Really appreciate it. I know it's busy for you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. How uh, how does one celebrate uh, kicking ass like that and, and keeping his belts? What did, what did you do? Did you get to do anything in these crazy times to, to celebrate that kind of a win? Um, No, you know, being in the bubble right after the win, you just uh, get on back to the hotel and, you know, we rested up and came on home the next day. So um, just uh, got a good night's rest and, you know, came on home. Nothing, nothing spectacular, nothing special. It was wild watching that fight because Fox is a thing on the broadcast where like they do uh, scoring counts live of punches and just watching the type of blowout you were putting uh, forth on uh, on Truax was was pretty nuts. Like, did you feel that as it's going on? Like, are you always wary? Did you have a moment in the fight where you're like, ah, I got this guy, I got him figured out, and you felt like it was going to be a pretty good night's work? Um, well, I kind of felt like that going in. You know, I um. He's a former world champion. He's upset at people before. He's got a lot of experience. And, uh, but, you know, I just felt like going into this fight, you know, me and my team, we had studied well. And I kind of felt like I knew what he would present. And, um, you know, I was a little disappointed I couldn't get the knockout. I kind of hurt my hand um, earlier on in the fight. Uh, felt like it made me hesitant at times. So, you know, I, I stuck to boxing well. And, um, like you said, pitched a shutout. So, now it's on to bigger and better. How is the hand? Uh, is it? Uh, uh, any- it's good. It's good. I'm going to uh, get an X-ray here um, shortly, just to make sure you know everything's good, everything's intact. And um, but like I said, I'm just just ready to move on to uh, bigger and better, a third successful title defense, and um, on to the next. Yeah, man. Uh, I know a lot of fans want to see you get in there with Canelo Alvarez. Now you were you were kind of like mentioned when he was uh, looking for that late like uh 2020 opponent you were kind of in the rumor mill there for a little bit to face him was any of that stuff legit was it close did you feel like you had a chance um what what was the the background on that um you know like me uh or like most super other super middleweights you know um just felt like that the timing was a little bit off you know with five weeks until that fight which is only four training weeks you know he felt like he's the pound for pound best you know i why would uh, he want to give, you know, his opponent, you know, half a camp? So uh felt like it would be time to, you know, be patient, be smart, and uh, know that, that it'll come back around. And, um, you know, hopefully here he – I know he's got uh, something on his plate, but, you know, hopefully later on in the year we can um, get it going, get that fight going. It's coming down here, man. He's going to be down here in just a few weeks at, uh, at Hard Rock Stadium. You know, we don't we don't get a lot of a big boxing matches down here, so it is cool to have Canelo down here. But that should be a good little vacation. You should do a celebratory vacation. You come on down to Miami. It's not like uh, the rest of the world down here, man. We're willy-nilly with the rules. 
You could celebrate on the beach a little bit. Then you go watch Canelo. You call him out a little, uh, a little ringside action. I think that's a, I think that's a good way to, to celebrate 21 and 0. That, yeah, we might have to do that, man. You might be a pretty good boxing promoter, man. I see it. I see it all. I see these things. I, you know, at sometimes I always, I, I, I uh, my, my co-host, uh, I'll tell him a lot of the times that sometimes I like press conference fights almost as much as the press conference. I do like the bleep talking. I do like the stirring up uh, and the yeah. promotion that you guys do. So yes, I would, I would like the WWE-ness of, of Caleb Plant there, you know, calling out Canelo Alvarez and, and just having the image there. Uh, but plus, at least it's a good place to vacation. It's not like you got to go to like Connecticut or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Miami is a great place. I've been there before, and you know, we, you know, who knows? I, I'm not sure what uh, the schedule is going to be, but you know, we might be able to make it down there for that, and you know, see what we can get going. What in particular do you think? Because I saw what Andre Ward said about you this week, and uh, that's one of my favorite analysts in the game, one of my favorite boxers to watch. And he says, uh, as the ta- as the competition gets better, he thinks you're going to get even better. Uh, what do you think when you see this matchup with Canelo Alvarez? What what certain types of uh, issues do you think you give him? Um, you know, well, today, probably his two toughest fights being Floyd Mayweather and Ezerondi Lara, you know, I feel like I possess a lot of those same qualities as far as boxing skill and, um, ring IQ, except, you know, I'm six, one and a half and, you know, I'm a lot bigger and I'm a lot stronger than those guys. So, um, I have no questions with my boxing ability and, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time at a really high level. And, uh, so, you know, I feel like I have every tool necessary to get my hand raised in that fight and uh you know like andre said um you know the the bigger the fight the more that's on the line you know that's when that's when real champions step up to the plate in any sport you know fourth quarter and the game's on the line you know that's when you see the best of the best and i feel like that's when you see the best caleb plant and um so i'm ready for that fight is it, is it one of those things, too, where do you feel like you still have a lot more to show the world? Like, you're just in your prime, man. You know, 28 damn years old, uh, you know, 20, 21 fights. It's, it's a hell of a resume. But, like, do you feel like you still have another level to unveil to everybody else? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, with only 21 fights, I still have a lot left to prove in this sport. I'm still motivated. I'm still hungry. And uh, there's still a lot more I want to accomplish. You know, I, I, my goal since a kid was to become undisputed. And with there never being an undisputed super middleweight, in the history of the sport, you know, for a very long time, I've wanted to be wanted to be that guy. So uh, I know that Canelo is looking to do the same thing and become undisputed. And, you know, so that means we got a we got some uh, differences we got to settle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you this. Um, I saw there's some rumors uh, that are going on about uh, Ryan Garcia uh, fighting a Manny Pacquiao, which is kind of a, a, a wacky crossroads of era fight. Caleb Plant, if you had like a guy out of another era, if you actually had the opportunity to fight him, um, not Canelo Alvarez, but like somebody maybe from the past, you're like, whoa, I looked up to that guy and I would get a chance to actually test my skill sets of, of him. And he's still not, not definitely, man, he's not in his prime, but he's still got some left. I was in the building the night you knocked out, uh, the, the, when you might knocked out Lee. Uh, it was the first time I got to see you live. And that, that was a crazy atmosphere. That was when Pacquiao fought Thurman, but um which would by the way you built a lot of fans down here just as an aside because you knock out somebody from notre dame you're gonna build a lot of fans in miami just so you know that (laughs) but but yeah do you have a fan is there a a fight like fantasy wise like you would love to do cross era maybe a guy in the past that you you may not get a chance to but would would have loved the chance to fought um yeah i've been asked that a couple times and you know i feel like maybe one of the best answers i can come up with is james tony you know he'd uh I've been around um, James and uh, his brother a couple of times and, you know, it's always been all love, but, 
you know, James, he talked a lot of uh, a lot of mess leading up to fights. You know, I like to do that, too. And, you know, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's kind of like WWE stuff, like you said, because when uh, you get close to fight time, you know, that's when the game phase comes on. And uh, that's really who he was. And that's really who I am when it when it boils down to it. And when it comes to, you know, trying to keep what's mine. So, you know, I feel like that would have been a great lead up to a fight, uh, maybe a couple of antics and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he was really skilled and uh, one of the best of his era. So, you know, I would love to get in there and, you know, put my skills up against his. You got what was the uh, you got what level of reaction from uh, David Benavidez's uh, Instagram post? Did that do anything uh, as far as grab your attention What uh, or not really? Oh, what? Uh, David Benavidez's post on Instagram. What did it say? I have it up here. Uh, it says, can we make this happen in tw- it's a fake poster of you two it says can we make this happen in 2021 or are you going to keep hiding like a little i'm not going to say that because you're a badass uh but he says let's give the fans what they want to see yeah i mean hey that's a fight that i I wanted for a long while and um you know but the thing is is i've held up my end of the deal and i've held up my end of the bargain and uh since i was trying to make that fight happen he's lost his title to cocaine and then he got it right back and then he lost his title on the scale coming in at like 3.8 pounds heavy you know, and that's not that's not world class stuff. That's not world, what world champions do. So my goal and my dream is to become the first undisputed super middleweight. And when he had that WBC belt, you know, with us being under the same roof, that was my first fight that I wanted. That's the first you know, unification fight that I wanted. But with that not being gone now, I'm trying to move on to bigger and better things. And, um, you know, if I'm not scared of Canelo, I'm not scared of David Benavidez. So with everything that he's accomplished in the sport. And so I'm chasing greatness. I'm chasing something bigger than him. And uh, so I understand that he's begging. You know, I understand that he wants to get back in contention, but he, he's going to have to wait and sit off to the side like a good little boy while I go and, you know, go on to achieve better, bigger and better things. And then once I do do that, I will gladly circle back around and we can make that fight happen. But, you know, you don't get to keep messing up in life like that and expect you to keep jumping to the front of the line. You know, opportunities like that, um, like this, to win a world title and to hang on to it, those don't come around very often. And, it, you know, that's something that every boxer dreams of. And so when you don't hang on to things tight like that and when you uh, don't take things serious, you know, sometimes that means you got to wait. Speaking of waiting, um, with Canelo's, the map that's kind of early on right now, he is going to fight here in Miami on the 27th. The idea is he's going to, you know, he usually fights Cinco de Mayo and then in September on Mexican Independence weekend. The thought is he's going to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Those are what the rumors are on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, do you see yourself, if it does take waiting till September, do you see yourself sitting out? Will you want to stay active? What do you think your year is going to look like if the plan is to ultimately get Canelo before the end of 2021? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I really just got home and uh, really just enjoying my win right now. I trained all through the pandemic and I had a really long camp. And so right now I'm just... Uh, you know, enjoying relaxing here soon. I'll sit down with my team. I feel like I have, a, you know, the best team in boxing around me. And we'll sit down and, and we'll map out what the rest of the year looks like. So. Awesome. Are you any interested in Super Bowl Sunday this weekend, Caleb? Um, I got a. Uh, man, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, man, they're looking dangerous. They got a lot of momentum. But, you know, I want um, Tom Brady to get one without Bill and that's no disrespect to Bill. I think he's a great coach and, and you know, accomplished a lot of great things and taught Tom a lot of uh, Tom a lot of great things. But you know, it'd be nice to see him get one on his own and you know, that way he could get away from the stigma of maybe just, you know, being a systematic quarterback 
with uh, with Bill and them. So I got the Bucks. All right, man. We'll say. Listen, think about that trip to Miami, man. Just just keep it in your mind. It's, it's going to be I'll nice go. here at the end of uh, February. Thank you for the time, champ. We really appreciate it. Uh, really great performance, and looking forward to bigger bigger things because you and Canelo. That's a hell of a scrap. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Might see you down there in Miami. I like it. I like it, man. I'll look for you. All right. Thanks again to Caleb for joining the program. Really appreciate that from him. When we come back, we will talk to the head of Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn. He is bringing Canelo Alvarez down to Miami. And what does he think of our city as far as a boxing venue is concerned? We'll get those answers. Talk a little AJ Tyson Fury with him as well. Lots to get to with the head of Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn. First time on the program. Looking forward to this. Eddie Hearn, he joins us next. Welcome back to Fighters Fury, guys. I'm very excited to get to uh, our next guest. Now, if you missed this earlier in the week, we had the head of matchroom boxing, Eddie Hearn. He joins my morning show with Leroy Horde every weekday morning here on 7 Night Tickets, 6 to 10 a.m., which you guys can now watch live on Twitch every single weekday, twitch.tv slash 7 to the ticket. But we had Eddie Hearn. First time we've gotten a chance to talk to the head of matchroom boxing as they uh, are bringing Canelo Alvarez. But uh, but Eddie Hearn, he, uh, he joined us this week. On the morning show, for those who missed it, a very good interview as we were able to explain uh, how he got Canelo down to Miami, the whole idea and how he thinks Miami can be a really, really big boxing market. He's already had Devin Haney down here, Triple G down here. This is just the first time that we've been able to get one of the uh, the fighters in front of fans, which is really, really cool. So uh, here's our conversation with Eddie Hearn. Thanks for having me on, guys, and great to be in Miami, like you said. You know, finally, we can bring bring a big show there. Well, yeah, you guys have been doing some shows at the Hard Rock because we had Devin Haney on before he fought there and, and a couple of the shows that you guys have done over there. But now you guys are having uh, you get to do it in front of fans like you're bringing it to the to the Mac Daddy Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play, where there's been Super Bowls and you're bringing Canelo Alvarez. So you're you're uh, you're, you're you're bringing the big guns, man. So what went into this? This was uh, how did you how did you land on bringing uh, the, the most famous boxer on the planet to Miami? Well, like you said, we've been at the Hard Rock uh, Casino now and the hotel there for a while. It's been behind closed doors. It's been frustrating. I mean, like you say, Devin Haney was there, Gennady Golovkin, another huge name of the sport, fighting in Miami, but behind closed doors. And you know, we've been pushing over the last couple of weeks and, and months there to start bringing boxing back in front of crowds. And, you know, you are one of the few states that are allowing crowds back. We had 12,000 people for Canelo's last fight on December the 19th. And... You know, as a Brit and and someone that works in boxing, I've always struggled to understand why Florida and Miami isn't more of a hub for big-time boxing, to be honest with you. And, you know, we had a great event around a year ago with Demetrius Andrade and Jojo Diaz and Tevin Farmer and Jake Paul as well down there. Yeah. It was more of a, you know, a boutique-style show. We had like 3,000 in there. But this is, like you say, it doesn't get any bigger than this. You know, if, if boxing is going to work in Miami, Florida... It's going to work with Canelo Alvarez and it's going to work at the Miami Dolphin Stadium, you know, the Hard Rock Stadium. And, and, and again, as a Brit, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than that. You know, Miami Dolphins, Canelo Alvarez, you know, and this is this is a great time. Unfortunately, we're only allowed 15,000 in there. You know, we've already sold over half of those already. But, you know, it's going to be amazing to see a superstar like Canelo Alvarez in Miami. Eddie, one of the things that's amazing to me is, is that there's so many boxers MMA, uh, mixed mo- all these people train down here, and yeah. there's not that much action. There's not that many events down here. I- I'm just wondering, like the interest is here. People are like leaving other states to come here and train. Why wouldn't it work out here? I just don't think that people have 
have had that sort of staying power of trying to make it work in the state. Right. You know, you've had events in Miami and Florida, and it's it's always that that demographic, isn't it? You know, people go to Texas because they feel like there's a huge amount of Mexican Americans there. In Miami, you know, the feeling is is that that's there's more maybe you know Cubans than there is Mexican Americans, and and I think this is all rubbish, really, to be honest with you. Fans are fans. Obviously, right. we know that Canelo Alvarez is, is Mexican and he, he is a god to, to Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. So, but I just feel that, you know, Miami is, is such a powerful state, you know, in every sense of the word in terms of, you know, its vibe, in terms of its sporting fan base and his, history. And I just feel that boxing can work in Miami, Florida. And, you know, but it's like, you know, when you have a, a birthday party and you're not sure who's, how many people are going to attend. It was like that when we went on sale. You know, it was like, wow, boxing's just never worked in Miami before. We've got 15,000 tickets. Is this going to be okay? You know, and we sit here now having sold, like I said, probably 60, 70% of those tickets already. And it's going to be a big night for boxing in Miami. And I think if anything's going to kickstart it, this is it. So we hope that Canelo Alvarez, Miami Dolphins, Hard Rock Stadium is just the start. Like you say, you know, all the fighters are there. You know, they're at the Fifth Street Gym. They're up there in, in Fort Lauderdale. You know, they're at Delray Beach, training in fantastic gyms all across uh, Florida. So why can't we create more of a boxing hub in the state and in Miami particularly? How did you uh, – we, we, we down here in Miami, we have uh, we have Pat Riley, the godfather, who runs uh, the Miami Heat. And he's always hunting for the whale, the big free agents. You know, he likes to swing big. When Canelo seemed like he was going through his breakup with Golden Boy and, and seemingly was going to be from DAZN, how did you get it upon yourself to say, hey, I'm going to try and go salvage this and I'm going to try and, and keep him around with DAZN? Like, what went into that, that, that you thought you, uh, you, you could keep Canelo in the fold with DAZN? And, and uh, like, how did that pitch work for you? How did, how did that go? Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you liken it to maybe, you know, the, the, the most beautiful... Uh, girl and in, in, at high school, you know, when you're growing up and you sort of see this girl and, and you you aspire to get in a relationship with her. And then when she becomes available, you know, you're like, can we do it? You know, can we make that giant leap to go out and ask her for dinner? You know, and, and, and that was what it was like with the approach to Canelo Alvarez. You know, he'd become a free agent. I was like, okay, I feel like we're pretty big in boxing, but, you know, can we land the biggest star in the sport? And we made the approach. I've always had a good relationship with Canelo Alvarez. In fact, he's beaten quite a few of my fighters already, which was a bit <laughs> depressing at the time. And, and, you know, we've always got on well. And I think, right, you know, he just wants the vision. You know, we know that he's a massive star in Mexico. Um, we know that he's filled stadiums in Las Vegas for years and years on Cinco de Mayo and in September. But we wanted to do something different. And we promoted his fight with Callum Smith in San Antonio. And, and Miami was kind of like a joint venture between ourselves and Canelo. Let's do something different. You know, we had the chance to, to return to Texas. We know it's a surefire sellout there in Texas, but let's do something different. And he sees himself developing as a global star. So for us, it's about boxing in the UK, boxing in, in the Far East, the Middle East. Uh, Japan also is a target of ours as well. So it's a huge honor because this guy is boxing, not just outside the ring, but in the ring. Like he's a pound for pound number one. So to be there as a fan is incredible to watch, but to be part of his career is a real honor. Uh, since I got you here, though, uh, I, I want to ask you, like, your guy, uh, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, you know, that's uh, one of the biggest ones in the sport. Where do we stand with that, man? Where do we stand with uh, with AJ and Tyson Fury, undisputed heavyweight championship? Are we close? Are we going to get an announcement we're, anytime soon? 
We're real close. We're in a good place. Yeah, we have draft contracts going backwards and forwards now between the team. Obviously, you know, in the global pandemic, it is a global pandemic and we've got to decide where we're going to do this thing. But June is the target. I believe we'll have the contract signed in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, you're going to get the biggest fight in boxing. The undisputed heavyweight championship of the world doesn't get any bigger. You know, two fantastic heavyweight world champions. And this is what we need in the sport. You know, we want to find out who the best is in every single division. And the fight between AJ and Fury tells us who is the baddest man on the planet, who is the best heavyweight in the world. And I believe we're only a couple of weeks away now from an official announcement to say this thing is done. Do you, Does this become more difficult because of the pandemic when, I mean, look, everybody talks about pay-per-view, but if you've ever been to a fight and it's packed, the environment in the city, in the arena, leading up the press conference, it's massive. And some of that is getting you know, missed because of the pandemic. Is it harder to, to, to schedule these big time fights, you know, during the pandemic because of that? Yeah, I mean, certainly you've got to be more creative in the promotion. You know, we live in a world now where we can't, like you say, have press conferences with journalists and media packed together. And, you know, you're trying to separate the fighters and people are wearing masks. And, you know, it's not ideal, but we have to keep the sport moving. We have to be creative. That's why you know, coming to this, the state of Florida, like we did in Texas, to have 12,000 people there, oh man, felt like my first ever show. You know, it's so good to see people back in the arenas and, and you know, as things progress over the next few months, that will, we, we hope that we'll return to some kind of normality. But yeah, we miss, you know, for a traditional Canelo Alvarez fight week, you know, you'd have the, the sort of arrivals, the Maharachi bands, you know, traveling around the whole town of Miami, you know, doing promotions and, and there'll be as much of that as possible. But, you know, sometimes a fight comes along where you don't really need the hype, you know, and that's AJ against Fury, the, the right. undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. But we hope that by the time that fight falls falls into place, which will be June, we will be turning into some kind of normality to resume the, uh, you know, the, the fun and games, how, the big fight build up. How are you guys in Britain? Because you got the, the, the British boxing fans, a different breed. Like you guys are nuts yes. with the, with the chance, with the bands, like, you know, it's like none other, the intros that you guys have. And that, I mean, I couldn't imagine that fight being anywhere else. Are you guys going to be able to have that fight in in uh, in your in your country? Or do no, you think, it, think it's going to have to be America? I think that first fight will have to be international. Yeah, I mean, I, we're not going to get, you know, we, we really, we could do 100,000 for that in, a, in a, a minute, you know. So we're not going to get that level of fans back here. We're in a pretty bad state here in the UK right now. You know, we're still behind closed doors. We're in a national lockdown. So... But this is going to be a two-fight deal. So we hope the first one will be on the road and the second one will be back in the UK uh, later this year. So we'll have to see. I, I think, you know, unfortunately, we've got to think on our feet now. We've got to go to venues and, and, and places that, that are in a better position that maybe the UK are in. So, uh, but both guys are ready to fight. They'll do it in the car park, you know, if, if they want. You know, the, these guys, they want this fight bad and, and the whole of boxing wants and needs this fight so bad. February 27th, Canelo Alvarez is coming to Hard Rock Stadium. He is defending his championships. Biggest it gets, Eddie Hearn. So uh, we're looking forward to the show, man. Tickets are available now at Ticketmaster.com. As he said, they are going fast. So if you guys want to go see uh, the biggest show in boxing, this is your opportunity. We've been talking about it forever, Miami. So uh, get on out there, show on out, and uh, show them what we're made of as far as a fight fan uh, community we are. Eddie, we really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eddie. 
Thanks, guys. See you February 27th. And appreciate Eddie giving us some time this week, man. That was really, really cool of him. Uh, there is more to that interview. We got into a little bit of Devin Haney and the lightweight division. If you guys want to go, go subscribe to the Tobin and Leroy podcast. The full episode is there. We did like 20 minutes with Eddie. So you guys got about half of that just now in the interview. But if you guys want a little bit more on uh, Jake Paul, we talked Jake Paul and Ben Askren because he's worked with the Paul brothers before. So uh, he was really good on that stuff too. But wanted to give some of that to the Fighters Fury audience. When we come back, we'll get into all the action from UFC Las Vegas last night. Alistair Overeem, Alexander Volkov, Corey Sandhagen lighting the world on fire with his sensational knockout. We'll get to some of that next on Fighters Fury. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here, guys. Thanks again to Eddie Hearn, uh, Caleb Plant for giving us some time this week. Really appreciate that from them. Let's get into a little bit of UFC action. Last night, you had UFC in the Apex once again, headlined by Alexander Volkov. Taking on Alistair Overeem, and you also have the co-main event, Corey Sanhagen versus Frank Yeager. Both of them really shining. Uh, you know, both of the the main and the co-main, really the highlights of this night, uh, really shining through, and I think probably saved the night. Everybody really uh, geeked up on what happened in the co-main event. Um, and I honestly didn't have big expectations for the main event uh, between the two heavyweights. Uh, it was, it was actually when, 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 with what happened with, with Corey, which we'll get to in just a second. And the way that he won his fight, I was almost like, man, what, you know, what could top that, which I think actually even lends more credit to, uh, to what Alexander Volkov was able to do to, uh, to Alistair Overeem in the main event, really putting him away and look at scary doing it. You know, I, I, you know, Alexander Volkov, He's a good heavyweight, but it's one of those things where I don't think he's really had that wow moment in the UFC in a little bit. It's uh, it's been a little bit lackluster. You just see, oh, he's he's uh, UFC Drago, which by the way, he's not UFC Drago. They're stealing that, and I get it. He's Russian. He's blonde. All that stuff. I've always said and and uh, and gone with the fact that UFC Drago is Francis Ngannou. That dude looks like he was built in a lab and is absolutely scary. Uh, one touch, he kills you. So. This is the first time I feel like Alexander Volkov has actually lived up to that name, that uh, that 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 Drago persona that they try and put forth. I get it, the, the Russian connection and whatnot, but I'm just telling you, it just it it, it hasn't vibed. But he hit Alistair Overeem with just some really scary stuff. Like you could just see the 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 wind of that giant frame that he was connecting on Reem with, and like the it seemed like the first one that he took, Alistair Overeem was like backing up. Wanted no part of it. Uh, looked like he was going to go at some point in the first round. Was able to kind of weather the storm a little bit. But you knew and had a feeling it was only going to be a matter of time because he really wasn't unloaded. I think obviously he had a big reach to get through uh, to, to take on Corey Sandhagen in that regard. So um, from from that standpoint, it really was a... Uh, it really was a great performance by Alexander Volkov. And he had a tough show to follow because I do think that people... We're, we're looking at the night. It was a little bit reckless. You know, the, the, the prelims really gave you nothing, um, you know, other than Devontae Smith and his win over Justin James. It was it was kind of a lackluster night. And then you get into the main event, uh, the main card, excuse me. Um, you know, and it was, again, you know, fights were getting better. Benil Daryush versus uh, uh, Carlos Diego Figueira. That was, uh, that was a good bout, especially the first round, but... You know, these weren't anything to write home about. Really started picking up, I would say, Clay Guida versus Michael Johnson. Those guys were throwing some big bombs. It was cool seeing Clay Guida back on top. Um, but it, it was a night that definitely needed a lift. And the co-main and the main really, really did that. 
And as far as Alexander Volkov's concerned with with this win, it's interesting. You know, he said afterwards he wants the title shot. Cool of him to call it out. Uh, it, it seems a little bit stacked up right now. The, the heavyweight division's in a little bit of a of a weird place because we know what the championship fight is coming up. We know it's going to be Stipe versus Francis. We have some great fights that are looming. We have this one. They, they really kind of set up everybody uh, ducks in a row here because you had this fight, which was five and six. Then you have coming up uh, next week is UFC 258. After that, we have Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis versus uh, Curtis Curtis Blades. So those guys are going to get it on. And then, then thereafter, we have Jarzino Rosenstrike versus Cyril Gain. A little bit more new blood. Probably a little bit early for either one of them to be knocking on the doorstep of a title shot. But hey, maybe one of them does something spectacular. You never know. Um, and a lot of it's also going to depend on who comes out on top of this. You know, if Stipe ends up beating Francis Ngannou down the road, it's hard to imagine Stipe is not going to immediately want to fight John Jones. Uh, it's a match of people have been wanting forever. Uh, I don't know if John's going to, you know, he's he's talked about wanting to kind of just roll on in there and, he, you know, maybe test the waters out a little bit in heavyweight. Is that the case, or do you want to just go in there and fight for the title? Who does he want that to be against? Like, what is the matchup? Um, because I think we're all curious about seeing John against somebody who's a real heavy hitter, somebody like that. But also, like, take a guy like Volkov, for example. I think it'd be a little bit tough because you, you, I think you want the element of when John makes it to heavyweight, we've all wanted to see that. What is that, you know, cartoonish body look like when it doesn't have to cut weight and if you were in there with Volkov he'd actually be in a fight where he'd be smaller so I don't know if that's the visual you exactly want unless you want John Jones having some underdog uh kind of mentality um he didn't call out John by name I think that I think that was right for the take for Volkov because I don't really he's in a situation where he's lost to uh to the two guys fighting in a couple weeks in Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades Curtis Blades in the situation where, look, if Francis Ngannou wins the belt, Francis has kicked his ass really badly twice. Um, so even if he beats Derek Lewis, he's almost in a Max Holloway situation, but even worse because he doesn't really have a performance against Francis that really would make people say, like, oh, I want to see that fight again. Um, so the heavyweight, that's what I mean. It's, it's in a bit of a strange place because you have this wild card of John Jones being thrown in there. We don't really know where he fits. I think it's he gets immediate title shot. That's where one would assume the goat gets to go, you know, just like when, uh, you know, just, just, uh, pretty sure DC got it like right away. I'm, I'm pretty certain that he did, but I just want to make sure before I throw that out there, uh, Daniel Cormier when he fought. Yeah. Cause I remember them saying it was like a big, he got the belt back, defended UFC heavyweight championship. Yeah. He defended the, yeah. He beat Val Vulcan Uzdemir. And then he fought Stipe and won the heavyweight championship. So he was a simultaneous, but he did, uh, but he did, he did vacate the title. Okay. That's our, that's our history lesson today, boys and girls. So yeah, I mean, if DC got a title shot right away, the guy, you know, John Jones, not getting a title shot right away. seems kind of silly. I guess that's just on John. If he wants to see what heavyweight is like. And then, you know, you think about like, well, okay, well, who's the matchup that he would go up against? Does he want to take on a top five guy? Does he want to just take on a name like Alistair Overeem, who, um, you know, you would think he could probably go handle that. That's an interesting question. Um, but I think if he wants the title fight, his career certainly warrants him walking in there and, 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 
and uh, getting the title fight. And then also, I think that these guys, I think, I think heavyweights in a good spot in that they have a lot of fun names. They have a lot of fun fighters there right now. But other than Francis, I don't because Francis was such a wrecking machine on his way to the top. They don't really have the captivating guy where you're like, this guy's the next guy, much like we have at bantamweight right now. And we'll get to in just a second with what Corey was able to do tonight. But, um, you know, from the standpoint of Jarzinho, he has the bad loss to Francis, but he was still very exciting, has some exciting knockouts. Uh, Cyril Gain, a lot of people are excited about what he's able to do. Um, Curtis Blades, obviously, if your name is not Francis Ngannou, he's kind of beating the holy hell out of you. And then, of course, Derek Lewis, charismatic, one-punch knockouts probably, you know, has had his one title shot against Daniel Cormier. Um, and I don't know how many, many people feel great about his title chances because they kind of see him as a one-trick pony. But nonetheless, you know, if Derek Lewis is in a fight and in a fight week, it's hard to not put him in a matchup and you say, oh, I'm into that. I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch him fight, um, especially with some of the, you know, the exciting Hail Mary wins that he's able to pull off like he was against Volkov. Um, and, and Rosenstrike has that too, like what, what he did to Alistair Overeem. So even the guys who aren't, uh, maybe as polished products, you would say they have such crazy power that it, it still makes for a really, really fun division. So really great performance by Alexander Volkov. Uh, I, I thought one for his career, really, uh, you beat a guy like Alistair Overeem. Yeah. He's not, he's not what he used to be. Hasn't been for a while, but even still. Um, not, not on bum street yet. And he looked really, really scary. Like if for a guy in Alistair Overeem, who was one time probably looked upon as the, the scariest striker on the planet. Um, that was almost different than the way he, he, uh, he lost to, uh, Josina Rosenstrike where Rosenstrike kind of threw a hail Mary bomb. Like this looked like, Oh, as soon as he got hit, he really didn't want to be in there with Alexander Volkov. Uh, and understandably scary man. The co-main event. Okay. Co-main event. You had Corey Sandhagen taking on Frankie Yeager. This is only 28 seconds of action, but it was a, uh, it was a bonafide star maker for Corey Sandhagen. And he's already coming off one where, you know, he has the, the wheel kick knockout of Marlon Marais, uh, back in October. So you're talking in what do we, this is a four, four month span. He's got two of the craziest uh, knockouts that you've seen in that short amount of time. Um, and he looks like the truth, man. I mean, you're talking 28 years old and is 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 coming out there with crazy knockouts like he's had at the, the absolute top of the division. Um, this guy can't be denied. He is absolutely going to be there for the next title shot wherever, wherever it lands after... Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan uh, take on each other. You know, Corey Sandhagen's going to be there to pick up the pieces and be able to uh, to take on whomever he pleases. You know, and and, and I saw Piotr Jan, who is trained down here now at American Top Team. Um, you know, I think he was saying something to the effect of, "Oh, Frankie Edgar is a little bit longer." Nah, like first of all, nobody does like nobody does that to Frankie Edgar. I mean, he's he's such a G. And, you know, you think about just how beloved this guy is and how respected this guy is just throughout his career. Um, 
the fact that you know Corey knocks him out like that and almost feels terrible about it like he you can see this after the um, emotional outburst he almost has like this look of guilt on his face because it's he said it best in the in the post fight interview with Daniel Cormier he goes that's Frankie Edgar you know that's that's the former lightweight champion of the world with all five foot nothing of him that he is uh now fighting two weight classes under that and he put his lights out I mean it was it was such a it was such a vicious knee the only person who could have enjoyed that was Ben Askren because um you know it was it was that kind of good it wasn't in the time of the Masvidal uh you know the the Masvidal knockout but I would say it's more shocking it was it was hard for me to compute like watching it because like I said you just you know we've seen Frankie lose to some of these young bucks but like to see him face plant like that it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary. Not so much like, you know, the, the, you know, Korean zombie beating him or Brian Ortega beating him. It's not, this one felt a little bit different. Um, and so, you know, I don't, it's, it, this is really a question where Frankie goes from here. Cause I'm not saying that Frankie Edgar should retire, but seeing somebody who's that decorated, who's that beloved, everybody just, you know, respects the holy hell out of the guy. And even the 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 young gentleman in Corey Sandigan who's having you know you beat a guy like Frankie Edgar and you beat him in that kind of fashion co-main event UFC Fight Night all that stuff and you can even see like he almost didn't uh you know didn't have the full enjoyment that he would have had if it was maybe somebody who uh, wasn't the status of that guy but you know it was it's it's still I think important for him for him. I do think that those wins are are so good and so spectacular from, uh, you know, from Corey Sanhagen that it almost it almost erases what happened against Aljamain Sterling if if Aljo is able to come up on top and win the belt. Certainly, I think uh, everybody would be excited to see a rematch between them. He he had a great call out where he's like, I owe I owed Aljamain Sterling a nap. That's a great line. Uh, and then for Jan, yeah, I mean, if 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 Jan is able to come out on top and still win. Boom, he's got another match with Corey Sandhagen. That's a fun-ass fight. Um, and it's a fun division. You know, Cody Garbrandt's coming out of that sick knockout over Rafael Asuncao. So he's got a new fresh coat of paint on him. Um, and then, you know, TJ Dillashaw is obviously, pro- you know, he's going to be back in the mix too. So, and he's going to kind of be the bad guy almost of the division. Everyone's going to want to root against. The only thing you really can't do there is is him versus Cody right now but eventually you definitely could because of the storyline that surrounds it and 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 all that uh, and all that type of stuff because those guys hate each other so much I still think that it could have some juice not saying that's something I want right off the bat but this is a fun fun division and you mentioned even tonight Dominic Cruz is getting back into camp so you know we'll uh we we can see you know Dom get back into the mix like they really have a, a, a real cream of the crop when it comes to the talent that is uh surrounding the 135 pound division it is really really fun but you know i do think that Corey sandhagen is is almost one of those guys where they're you're you're looking at the 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 type of uh talent that you're that is on display and the type of you know offense that he was displaying to finish these fights very very impressive so those were your big highlights, man. That was a, that was a, a a night that really was saved by the co-main and main event. Um, Clay Luda getting a win was cool too over Michael Johnson. It is uh, Michael Johnson is one of the wild careers in uh, in mixed martial arts because you see the resume 
and how good he has been against some of the best, but then some of the losses that he has, it's just it's just very odd. Even the Khabib fight, you think back to the Khabib fight, like he's got it's almost like you think of like Shane Mosley getting that one shot or Zab Judah getting that one shot on Floyd Mayweather. Um, like you can re- you could recall the times that the guys have been in danger. Like, yeah, you know, Michael Johnson really put Khabib in danger for a second with hitting him with a with a with a big shot. He hits hard. Um and it's funny. You almost think about like we were talking about Paige Van Zander on the show. You almost wonder what Michael Johnson would do like in a sport like bare knuckle or something like that. Because it feels like that is the striking talent that he has is is so damn good, but he just can't put it all together to get wins anymore, uh, which is a little disappointing. I'm a big fan of Michael Johnson. I've had him in studio a couple of times, and uh, you know, really really good dude. But it is wild. Like you think you know he's he he knocked Dustin Poirier into oblivion. Uh, he's beaten Tony Ferguson. He uh, he lost he lost to Gaethje, um, and he lost to Habib. But he did have a moment in where he really hurt Habib, and uh, and you know maybe in a in an another life maybe uh, he would have been able to uh, to to finish the job and put the lights out. But uh, strange career, man. Strange, strange career. But that was uh, that was your night. UFC in Vegas. We got UFC two fifty eight coming up next week. Uh, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. I'm picking Kamara to win that fight. Um, I made my points. If you guys missed any of it, I, I really uh, covered a lot of it in our last episode and really went into uh, why I think Kamara is uh, is going to win this fight. But my main point being is that I just think that he is, uh, you know, first of all, you know, he's maturing as a champion, getting the win that he had to get against Jorge Masvidal. Obviously not the most thrilling performance in the world. Um, but not a lot of people have touched this guy. It's it, it just not the case. And I do think that if this would have happened when it was supposed to happen last summer, there could have been some weirdness, you know, the camp, these guys, you know, being teammates and all that type of stuff. But the fact that he, you know, had all that mental wear on him, ended up taking on Masvidal, ended up getting the win, and now he's had time to kind of settle in. He's off in Colorado now. I don't think any of that mental stuff is going to really mess with Kamara. I don't. I don't think that is, and I and I think that we may actually be on the verge of seeing somebody who could go on a Habib like run in the welterweight division because I mean he's already to this point. What is this? This is his fourth title defense, and Mindo maybe even third because he's won. He won against Woodley, Covington, Masvidal. Yeah. So uh, now Gilbert. I, I think that. We're on the verge of having a guy here who really, uh, really could do something, uh, be in a, in a special title run. I'm not dismissing Gilbert Burns because Gilbert is not a guy who has a lot of weaknesses. I mean, he really is. I mean, if you were to look at this matchup, you'd say jujitsu goes to him. I would say probably power. You could even say maybe goes to Gilbert Burns. Uh, striking, you know, might be a, a, a it could be a push. Wrestling, though, is obviously something where Kamaro is so dominant and so good and the, the way, and how strong he is and the way he's able to control rounds. You know, I just find it tough to see uh, Gilbert getting something on him that's really going to uh, that's really going to hurt him. So I'm going to go with uh, Kamaro Usman winning via decision to defend his title. But I think I feel like I just gave you the guys the breakdown again. But if you want more of it, I, I did get into it last episode on the podcast. All right, uh, that's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next time.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 